Well, we're looking at Ecclesiastes 9 through 11 today. We're, it's going to sound a lot like I'm your dad. I'm coming here to tell you about things that are hard to hear. Uh, like this. You ever heard this from your father? There's only two. There's only, nothing is certain in life. Well, except death and taxes, right? That's something that the father says. There's nothing certain but death and taxes. What's interesting is, uh, well, it's true, but, <laughs> but when it comes to taxes, we do all sorts of things to prepare for that. We, right, we manage and save because that day's coming where we're going to have to pay that tax and the reaper is coming, that sort of thing. And sometimes we'll hire someone, and at least this is my value. I want to pay as little taxes as possible and stay out of jail. Those are the two values. So we do a lot of things that are preparing for tax day, but do we prepare for death day? That's absolutely certain, and to prepare to die. And preparing to die, you would think means, okay, drawing the curtains closed and you know, being woe is me and being rather sulking in life. But if you look at people that know how to die, what they really experience is knowing how to live. That's the key to knowing how to die. And today, we're going to get a tour guide from the wisest man in the Old Testament as he walks us through this preparation for death. His name is Solomon, and he's not a cynic. He's not a skeptic. He's a realist. He's a realist with faith, and he's going to help us navigate and negotiate one of the biggest problems that we have in life that really gets under our skin. This is the problem. Life is not fair, and then you die. Boom. There it is. Life's not fair, and then you die. He takes it head on. Look, he expresses it in chapter 9, verses 1 through 3. This too, I carefully explored. <clears throat> Even though the actions of the godly and the wise people are in God's hands, no one knows whether God will show them any favor. The same destiny ultimately awaits everyone, whether it's the righteous or the wicked or the good or the bad, ceremonial clean or the unclean, the religious or the irreligious. Good people receive the same treatment as sinners. And people who make promises to God are treated like people who don't. It seems so tragic that everyone under the sun suffers the same fate. There's nothing ahead but death anyway. Life's not fair. He's saying even death is not fair. If, if you are in that category of godly and righteous and clean and those sorts of things, you think, well, he's going to live a long life or never even have to die or certainly not die painfully. No. That's not how this works. There's no distinction, it appears, there's no distinction between the righteous and unrighteous and if they die and how they die. I mean, death seems like a blind, drunk person just kind of going through just with his, like his sickle, right? That's what death is, that sickle, and he's without purpose or prejudice and just takes out whoever, whenever. No rhyme, no purpose, no prejudice. The little girl down the street, he goes and rings her doorbell. On the other end of the block, there's an older woman that's 93 and has been begging to be put out of her misery, and he lost her address. I mean, there, there's no pattern here. And so everyone dies. So dress like it. You know, do that whole goth thing. Put your head down and just kind of mope until that day comes. That is not what Solomon says. This is his solution. The solution, it, so live already. Look what he says. There, there's hope only for the living. As they say, it's better to be a live dog than a dead lion. If you're alive, you can still hope. 
And then he brings in this figure of speech that might be a little foreign to us because when we think uh, live dog, dead lion, when we think a live dog, we think, oh, there it is, that thoroughbred that has people comb out all your tangles and look at how happy I am. That's not what Solomon had in mind. He has this dog in mind, this mangy, no good mutt. We think, oh, I'm a dog that's gonna go to maybe the beach. I have Instagram followers. I'm an influencer, that kind of dog. That's not the dog he has in mind. He's talking about a pack of wild dogs like this. In the ancient Near East, when you talk about dogs, you need to be thinking if you've been to like the ghettos in Mexico, the dogs that you see there, that's what he's talking about. And Solomon's saying, that dog, that dog's still better off than a dead lion. Look what he says in verse five. The living, at least they know they're gonna die. The dead know nothing. <laughs> they have no further reward and they're not gonna be remembered. So he said, look, which would you rather be? This dog right here, he's got his own box, a dog in a box. Would you rather be a dog in a box or a dead lion? Because the dead lion's a rug. And, he, and I think Solomon's trying to wake us up and it's like we're a, a pack of these dogs around this dead lion and we're talking amongst ourselves and saying, look at the size of that mane. We can't even keep our hair. We have so much mange. We can't even keep our, look at those teeth. They're ferocious. And, and we're losing our teeth from mal, malnutrition. And Solomon's like throwing a rock at this pack of dogs saying, guys, it's better to be a living mutt than it is a dead king of the jungle. Can't you see that? He's a carpet, he's a rug. So here's his point, quit your whining and get on with living. That's what he's saying. You are a lucky dog, you're a lucky dog. How do you live in a world where life's not fair and then you die? Wherever you are, be there, lucky dog. Wherever you are, be there. If you want, he's saying this, are you still alive? Then live, then live. We were made and designed to live. When we fully live, we feel the presence of God in our life. The glory of God is a man fully alive. Look what he says in verse seven. He says, go. Eat your food with gladness and drink wine with a joyful heart for God already approved of what you do. Always be clothed in white and always anoint your head with oil. Go, actually uh, some translations will say, come on, go, come on, let's celebrate, let's go. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it, Psalm 118. What day? This day, right here. We're alive, we're lucky mutts, let's drink it in. None of this self-pity and brooding and moping around and woe is me, because life is a gift, and by life I mean this day, this day, not tomorrow, this day. And that's why he says, always be clothed in white. And it's a metaphor clearly, in the Middle East, you would imagine wearing white would be cumbersome and laborious, just keeping that sort of thing clean. And so uh, an average income person would have maybe one white outfit and it was for that very festive and celebratory day. That was the day. We saved that over there. Let's gonna wear, we're gonna wear white on that special day. And he said, today's that day. Every day is that day. Every day is a festival, right? 
Every day is special. When uh, I think we were younger, we had a, a plate that said, it was a big red plate, said, you are special. Did you ever have one of those plates? Solomon would say, why are you waiting to pull that out? Just eat on it every single day. How are you supposed to live when it just seems like it's random and then you die? He says, live. And then he says, love, love. The second command he says is love. He says, look, uh, verse nine, he says, enjoy life with your wife whom you love. All the days, he says, every day, all the days of this meaningless or mysterious life that God has given you under the sun, all of them, all your meaningless days, this is your lot in life and in your, in your toilsome labor under the sun. You know what, while you're living under the sun? Wait, you're married? Oh, well, while you're living, you should be loving. Because God made us and designed us to love and have intimacy. And when we do have love and intimacy, we feel his presence. We feel his blessings. Always enjoy it all and just drink up a marriage in every way it's supposed to be done. Look what Solomon writes in Proverbs. He said, listen to the always. Let, let your wife be a fountain of blessing to you. Rejoice in your wife in the days of your of your youth. She is a loving deer, a graceful doe. Let her breast satisfy you always. Always. Okay then, just obey that verse. Enjoy your wife, it says. Enjoy your wife with life. That word enjoy literally means see. See life with your wife. And the reason it's important because the word for see there is, is a comprehensive term. It's, it includes the entire experience of living a human experience fully. I mean, the existential highs and lows. It's the idea of, of all of the passions lived out with your wife, he's saying. He's, not, he's saying, don't go sipping. Chug it. Drink it down. The laughter and the weeping, the, the joys and the sorrows, all of it. Enjoy or see all of it with your wife. That's how you live this way. He says, always have your head covered in oil. Again, another figure of speech that's a little bit lost to us, uh, where the, the white clothes were, were, I guess, just hard to maintain. The oil, that's expensive. And, and that was, it's an expression of a festive event. And so you save that up, save those pennies so you can wear that oil on your head that one time. And Solomon's saying, what, for tomorrow? You don't know what's gonna happen tomorrow. Spend it now, celebrate it now, enjoy, do it now. Always be wearing white, always have oil on your head. You know, celebrating sometimes takes money. So spend it. Enjoy it. This passage, this literal expression of this came to my life a few years ago. I had been married 20 years. I had some cologne that, that I had coming into the marriage and it's expensive. And so I would only use it on very special occasions. 20 years, I'm halfway down with this thing. And I, it occurred to me because of this passage that at this rate, after I die, Melinda's second husband is gonna be wearing my cologne. And I'm like, I don't want that guy smelling like me. And so, I, okay, I'm gonna start wearing this cologne on all those special occasions. And so I'm like, tonight's a special occasion. I'm gonna spend seven hours with a woman I said my vows to. 
And so I put some of that cologne on, just on her side, because I'm cheap. And she said, hey, is this a special night, honey? I said, you bet it's special, because every night's special, every day's special. Later on, um, I wasn't using it enough. And so I, I, I put on sunscreen on my face every day uh, because this, this color pale is high maintenance. And so I gotta, I gotta commit to that. So I, you know what I did? I put the cologne in my sunscreen. So every day I have this oil on my head, right? And it, I just smell like I'm supposed to smell every single day, all the time. It's great, like uh, quite a while ago, anyway, I went into the gym one time and probably the biggest, strongest, one of the meanest guys that I know greeted me at the door and he picked me up off the ground and he hugged me and then he went, you smell magnificent. And I was like, well, yeah, we can be friends then, right? Yeah, so I don't, uh, there's a point. Here's the point. Here's the point, use it up. What? everything. Use it up. What are you saving? I mean, sometimes I, there's a couple tools that I don't use because they're shiny. Really? Really? Use it up. When the U-Haul's out front and, you know, the big dumpster have nothing of value that goes in there. Tomorrow, (laughs) who knows what's tomorrow. Today, make it count. Drink it in. Enjoy. You're a lucky mutt. Wherever you are, be there, you lucky dog, because this is the day that the Lord has made. There's no time for sulking and moping around. Life, life, life is not fair, then you die. So you live, you love, and the next thing he tells us to do is to work. Because here's the thing about death. Death is blind and drunk and, you're, and random. So Wherever you are, be there. Well, what if you're at work? It says in verse 10, whatever you do, do it well. When you go to the grave, there will be no work or planning or knowledge or wisdom. Nothing there. Wherever you are, be there. I'm at work, so do it. Here's another thing. God made you to work. And when you work diligently and enjoy that, then you feel God's pleasure. You feel his presence. That's the point. And enjoy this. There's a time where you're not going to be able to go to meetings and, and make up plans and see it executed and watch a consequence happen. Yeah, that, that, those days are numbered. So enjoy each one. You're, <laughs> you don't do that when you're dead. In the New Testament, it's put this way. Whatever your task, do it heartily. As unto the Lord, not to men. Everything you do, do the Lord. Drink it in. Make the most of it. You're a lucky dog that's employed. So look, if you can turn a wrench, do it. If you can paint a room, do it. Because you can only be at one place at a time. And when you're painting a room and you're wishing you're somewhere else, you're missing that moment. Do you know who cannot paint a room? A dead lion. But you, you're a lucky dog and you get to work. Now, what's interesting in this section right here, Solomon jumps in the middle of this flow and kind of stops and says, okay, okay, well, I gotta manage expectations because I know what you're thinking. If I work hard, I'm gonna be rewarded. I'm gonna be the first guy there, the last guy to leave, and I'm gonna be the guy that's working the hardest in between. So he's just saying, well, okay, remember, you remember how death is like a 
blind, drunk, random person. Yeah, okay, he's got a twin brother and his twin brother's name is Reward. It seems like rewards are given out kinda in the same random, chaotic, maybe unfair way. I mean, <laughs> right? I mean, it's, 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 it's like people that get successful sometimes, it just, sometimes, okay? It's like uh, the, the lottery where a ping pong ball just kinda comes up from the little deal and it's like, it's number 12, who's number 12? You know who number 12 is? Scott, true story, Scott. Scott could not put on his bathrobe the right way. He put on a bathrobe backwards and then he called it a Snuggie. And right now Scott is drowning in about $200 million. <laughs> Meanwhile, some guy's been working on a flying car for three decades and can't pay his rent. It's just, just kind of crazy how that happens all the time. So, so Solomon's saying, you know, work, but don't necessarily expect you know, a cause effect here. Look how he says five different words that are used to express, you know, adjectives for good hard labor, but they don't, they don't seem to win all, with, all the time. But it's repetitious. See how he does that. Verse 11, he says, I've observed something else under the sun. The fastest runner doesn't always win the race and the strongest warrior doesn't always win the battle. The wise sometimes, they're the ones that go hungry. The skillful are not necessarily wealthy. And those who are educated, they don't always lead, lead successful lives. Well, <laughs> it's all decided by chance, by being in the right place at the right time. Boy, isn't that, that can be the truth, right? So it, what he's saying is, let's be very careful because we live, do we live in a cause and effect world? We absolutely do most of the time. And if we're not careful, because of the consistency of cause effect, we can start believing that fairness is absolute. And sometimes even worse, we can think that we can be in control. And when somebody gets rewarded that shouldn't, we can throw a cock. And Solomon says, ah, that's not that, that's it. Look, let me tell you, he says, watch, let me just tell you a story how this thing works out. He goes, wisdom is good and it's much better than strength, but it's not always rewarded. So here he tells his story in verse 30, 13. He knows we're thinking about this and it's, hurt, it's hurting to watch. Okay, here's another bit of wisdom that has impressed me as I have watched the way the world works. There's a small town with only a few people and then this great king comes, came uh, with his army and besieged it. A poor, wise man knew how to save the town and so it was rescued. But afterwards, no one thought to thank him. So even though wisdom is better than strength, there it is, those who are wise will be despised if they're the poor. What they say will not be appreciated, not for very long. Here comes this huge army over the hill, just it's their Klingons, that's what they do. They, they destroy things. They've got their battering rams, they've got their catapults, everybody's in full armor in this little bitty town. And there's old Bill Johnson. Mm, he loves to fix things. He's got a shop where he just fixes stuff, almost anything. And uh, he figures out a kind of a strange way to work his way out. He says, look, I've got two barrels of marbles over here. I'm thinking if we just roll these marbles down the hill all at once, uh, it's going to jam up all their fancy machines and they're going to tr end up tripping on each other. They don't even like being together, probably go to war with each other. The whole thing will take care of itself. I say, what? Yeah. The governor says, that's the dumbest idea I have ever heard. And then Bill Johnson says, you got a better idea? 
Does it cost a thing? So here come the barrels. There go the marbles. And sure enough, he saves the town. There's this huge parade afterwards. Bill Johnson is not even invited to the parade because he's just a poor fix-it guy. The governor, he gets a statue and writes a book on how to lead through a crisis. That's how it works. It's not fair. He doesn't say it's fair. He's saying, look, here's the thing. A lot of us have in our soul a fear of being forgotten or a fear of being misremembered. And Solomon's saying, if you could just leave that alone, you would be free from that fear. Sure, they're going to forget you. Embrace it that you will be misremembered. Who cares about your reputation when you're gone? He's saying this, wherever you are, be there. Whenever you are, be then, you lucky dog. I saved a town. It was my idea. Cool story, bro. That was then. Let's get on with it. Quit worrying about it. doesn't matter. You see, he's saying, look, how are you supposed to live in a world where life's not fair and then you are absolutely certain to die? Solomon says, well, live, live and love and work. And then finally, his last command in this series is he says, give. He says, give. Ecclesiastes chapter 11, it closes out this whole section of scripture. He says, Ship your grain across the sea, and after many days, you may receive a return. Give in seven ventures. Yes, no, 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 wait, eight ventures. There you go. Uh, You do not know what disaster may come upon the land. So in verse, actually one and two here, he's, he's talking about, the first one's kind of investment. Just diversify your assets in your investments. See what comes back. You never know. His second one, he's talking about giving. He's like, give to seven people. No, go crazy, go eight. You never know what your return on all those gifts might be. Dr. Walter Kaiser, a a scholar in Old Testament, he interprets the verse this way. I love his quote. Be liberal and generous with as many as you can. Wait, wait, even more than that. Instead of becoming miserly just because you fear of what the future might hold, maybe you should distribute as many things as possible so when that future comes, you'll have other ways of being blessed by those people you gave to. God made you and he designed you to be a giver. And when you give, you will feel his presence. You will feel his pleasure. That's what we're made to do. We are to live and we are to love and we are to work and we are to give. There's, There's one prohibition in this. There's one part where he just says, okay, you know you're gonna die. And between now and then, life's not gonna be fair. Whatever you do, do not live in fear. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, so don't fear tomorrow. Live for today. Today's the day that matters. Look, look what he, he says, nothing ventured, nothing gained. In verse four, actually 11, one through four, but anyway, four says, farmers who wait for the perfect weather will never plant. If they watch every cloud, they're never gonna harvest. This is, this is life and death. This, this, this uh, uh, farmer that's afraid, he's looking at the weather reports. He's like, it looks like a rain cloud. I better not plant any seeds right now. It's going to get washed away. And then the next day, and the next day, and the next day. And then there's, well, there's nothing to harvest. <laughs> 
And depending upon how you read the passage, it can even be, well, finally he has something to harvest, but he's watching the weather again. He's watching the wind. Oh, it's gonna all blow away. Okay, the next day, the next, you have nothing to harvest. <laughs> if you're so afraid of tomorrow, you'll never act today. You'll never live in the moment. He's talking, the, the fear is, em, or I'm sorry, death is eminent, but don't live by fear. He's, here's what he's saying, just ask. Just ask and see what happens. And our, one of the things we try to communicate in our family is if you just ask. If they say no, it's no different than where we are right now. You see what I'm, I'm already assuming no, so I'm just gonna ask and see if there's a yes in there. I'll, the thing I fear is them saying, oh, you can't do that. Well, I'm already, I'm already not doing that. <laughs> So, so we have games in our house about just ask and see where it goes. When, when I was, when we, um, Lynn and I had our 25th anniversary, and at least at our house, it's the whole year. Okay, we earned it. So every day was our 25th anniversary. Pulling a Dairy Queen, today is our 25th anniversary. You got one of those dipped cones for us? No? Okay. Just asking, just asking. So I had a business trip in Las Vegas and I brought Melinda along and we were at the MGM Grand and we got in there about midnight and it took us a while to get through the lines about two o'clock and you know, did the whole thing. Hey, this is our 25th anniversary. Uh, we, you know, when we were here, we were passing through here on our honeymoon and, and, we, and we, we stayed down the street at a dive and we walked in this lobby and went maybe someday, maybe someday. And the lady said, sure, we'll upgrade your room. And so we went to that room, it was beautiful. And we drew the drapes and this panoramic window of, uh, of an alley where all the workers go to smoke cigarettes. I go, okay, I said, I said honey, don't, don't unpack. Don't even wrinkle that bed. I'm gonna go back out. Well, now it's 2.30 in the morning and a couple buses showed up while I was out. And so there's these huge lines, but there's this one man over here and he's on the phone, right? I mean, he's on the phone. I mean, like phone with a clipboard, he's in charge. So I just go straight to him and say, so here's the thing. It's our 25th wedding anniversary, you know, that whole thing. And I said, and, and the woman over there, she was so great to give us this room that had this, like a jacuzzi tub thingy, but it, you know, it opens up to the alley and I'm just, it's our 25th. You know, we're only gonna be here two nights, three days. He said, uh, you know, he said, it gave us a key and he said, if you don't like this, come back down and I'll find you a better room. I said, okay. So we go up and like, whoa, what's on the top floor? That's really cool. And it was like room B, it's a letter. We get up on the floor, it's numbers all the way down this hallway, numbers all the way down this hallway, numbers all the way down this, everywhere we look. And we were up, now it's like four o'clock in the morning and we just want, so like we, he gave us the wrong key or something. And so we're now we're at the elevator going back down to talk to him. And then Melinda looks up and she said, uh-oh, that, that one right between the hallways? That has a letter. Let's go see if it works. Swipe the card. It's the penthouse. It's the penthouse. They didn't have a jacuzzi tub. They had this lap pool in there. They were like, we got lost just getting to the bedroom, like when we went in. Point is, just ask, what's he gonna say? He could say no. What Solomon's saying is a lot like that. Why do you fear tomorrow? Why don't you just live today? Why do you fear tomorrow? What are you missing out on today? I've told you in previous sermons on this passage, right? On, on Ecclesiastes, Jesus talks about one of his, the best sermon ever spoken. Uh, Jesus is talking about fear. He's talking about money because that helps us with our fear. And he just, he ends the sermon with this climactic conclusion. 
but seek, how do you live? Well, how do you live? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. But that's not the last sentence of this section of the sermon. The next sentence says, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. <laughs> Whenever you are, be then. Today, Jesus ends his sermon with seek first the kingdom of God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But tomorrow, you, but tomorrow, Jesus, let's not talk about tomorrow. I mean, he's, he's making fun here. He's saying, let's just delegate worry for tomorrow, for tomorrow. Let tomorrow worry about itself. I think today's got some pretty good stuff going, right? You know what you could be doing today instead of worrying about tomorrow? You could be living, loving, working, giving. Do you know what stray dogs eat in the Middle East? They eat dead lions. So, bon appetit, enjoy. We're just lucky dogs. We're just mutts that get another day of enjoying life. Life's not fair, and then you die. So how are you supposed to live? You're supposed to live passionately, that's how. You're supposed to love recklessly. You're, you're supposed to work diligently. And you're supposed to give <laughs> as many ways as you can. Put some risk into it because you never know what's going to happen next. That's the point. You never know what's going to happen next. You can't know. Look at the next, this is how he concludes it. Look at the sentence. Just as you cannot understand the path of the wind or the mystery of a tiny baby growing in its mother's womb, you cannot understand the activity of God or who, who does all these things. <laughs> so he says, come on. He says, go and enjoy, eat, drink, and be merry. You what, you're married? Then love. Look, I, here's, look, here's what it's like. You're just a mutt, right? And Jimmy fell in the, in the well again. So go and save Jimmy. You come back home. You still eat scraps. You're going to sleep on the front porch. You don't get to sleep inside. But you know what? Quit barking. Start wagging. It's a great quote. It is better to ride the wave than try to control the sea. It is better to ride the wave than control the sea. Life isn't fair, and then you die. So, let's enjoy it. Let's see it in the fullness of what we can enjoy. That's what Solomon's telling us, and he is the wisest man in the Oldest Testament. And Jesus seconded that. He said the same thing. So, here's what I wanna pray. What would happen if we as a church started living that way, like fully, completely, not worried about the future. Who would we be, who would you be without fear? Wow. God's gonna love that because then you'd be like Christ in that part of your life. Let's pray to that end. Lord, uh, this is so convicting. I, all the bad stuff in this, I completely grasp that life isn't fair and death is imminent. But how to live that way? Lord, I'd ask that, that your spirit would convict mine that it's just sinful to live in fear of the future. 
And with, with regret of the past and not in the moment. And so, Lord, I'd ask that we would be a church that glorifies you by living a life that's fully alive, that we can love each other recklessly, and we can work like you're our boss, and we can give extravagantly. Lord, let us, let us have the courage to live without fear, but a courage to make choices that would make angels stop and stare at us and say, yep, that's the way it was meant to be. Let us enjoy the wave. And I confess we try to control the sea. So help us with that as well. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.